This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, Horse World. Coach Jen coming to you live, not really, recorded from the Horse Radio Network mobile recording studio located somewhere in rural Texas. Sit back and enjoy this mashup of Glenn and Dr. Wendy Ying from previously aired Masterpieces. This episode is brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Wendy Ying, and you're listening to the Driving Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're glad you decided to stop by the Driving Radio Show, and it was so much fun. I got to see a couple of our driving listeners out at Rolex a couple of weeks ago, and they said hi, by the way. So uh, uh, everybody likes hearing Wendy's Chinese medicine updates. So that, oh, good. And we had well, seven, hi, Rolex people. We had several comments uh, I saw on our auditor page uh, of people who like the new format and have written to me and said they like the new format of doing one driving guest, although today we're breaking that rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then half the show pretty much is going to be the Chinese medicine or veterinary medicine segment. So yeah. they like the new format. They like this every two weeks. So I think we're, we, we did a good thing there. I like it, too. It's more fun for me to interview another vet than to just talk about, um, you know, to just talk by yourself about... because I'm never much help. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Well, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I was trying to be nice, but you're helpful. But I, it's, it's interesting for me because I like to hear other people's take on what they do and how their specialties. And um, so it's really fun for me. And I like every two weeks because, um, you know, every week was really difficult for me. Well, let's it's like get... a full-time job. You need to pay me more. <laughs> well, let's get uh, right to it and uh, get to our first guest. We have Charlie Poppy coming up to talk to us about Martin's Auction, kind of our twice-a-year review of what happened, how the prices were, what kind of good stuff, what was a high seller, all that stuff. Coming right up. Well, we have Charlie Poppy back with us. It's actually been a couple of months, but we're happy to have him back. And he is back with our kind of semi-annual look at the biggest carriage auction in the United States, Martin's Carriage Auction, up there in Pennsylvania, my old stomping ground near Lancaster County and Lebanon County. And they just had their spring auction, which is usually one of the bigger ones. So, Charlie, give us a report. Tell us all about it. Well, as usual, the Martins pulled off a great uh, auction Uh and I, I just want to take a second to thank Polly Martin for all the hard work that, that he puts into this, because it is. It's a lot to try to pull off for a couple of days. Sale got off, I think, to a rather slow start, but uh, it was just common pieces. As the sale progressed, the prices did too, but, you know, good vehicles bring good prices. So sporting vehicles, obviously, are, are always going to be at the top. And, and it was uh, overall, there were some very, very good quality pieces in the sale. So what was um well what was the top seller on Friday night? Uh, ooh, I'm gonna have to think. I think probably Will I Green had a beautiful uh, antique uh, hose wagon 
that was absolutely stunning, and I think it brought oh, really? around twenty five thousand. Oh, but there wow. was also a there was also a new park drag that I think brought twenty four twenty five also. Wow. What were the prices like uh, compared to ten years ago? Uh, the prices are still down. They've been down since two thousand and eight. But you know, each sale you can see them working their way up slowly. You know, Overall, one of the things know. about the prices is I have a friend that does. Um, he he sells art, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same thing. Is like the the people that used to collect carriages are not around anymore, and there's no young people coming around that are interested in the history of carriage driving. So you have a smaller and smaller market that appreciates, you know, like how much a a Brewster carriage should go for, because they don't know why that's expensive. They, they, and, and what few new people I've seen coming in. um, And and it's true. uh, You know, I've been going to Martin since they started and um, actually I have a retired number because I've been going so long, but, um, when it's because he first spent going, so would, much they I, couldn't use the yeah. number anymore. He wore it out. <laughs> well, I, that might, no, you know it's embarrassing when you're sitting there and all the auctioneers just go number seven, number seven. They already know, you know. <laughs> they didn't even bother to, you know, don't, show us your number. No, they know who it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love that. I love that when you know whose number it is. Remember Dinwiddie? Remember Dinwiddie? Yes. He had yes. A, yes. Oh my God. What do you have? Guy. Number one. He probably, probably had number one. <laughs> no, he had no. Dinwiddie had one eleven. But it was close, oh. one, one, one. <laughs> but, but he did make it fun. Yeah. So but, tell us. But, you know, bringing that up, we have had some real characters over the years. Yeah. At the sales. Sure. And, of course, obviously he's going to be right up there among the top. But, uh, what was the carriage that jumped out at you that was unusual, different, or you went, oh, that's cool? I haven't seen one of those in a uh, while. The, well, there was uh, an absolutely breathtaking uh Brewster uh, Stanhope Finn. I mean, and it had been in Jeff Day's collection, and it was just immaculate. Um, it didn't sell during the sale because it didn't reach its reserve, but it did sell afterwards. And it, and I'm sure it'll be at the CAA show. What, was <laughs> there? Fact, I'm positive it's going to be there. A lot of times, there's the same kind of carriage. There'll be a lot of Meadowbrooks, or there'll be a lot of something. You know, was yeah. there a lot this of any? Was, this, Oh, this was the sale of the wicker vehicles. I'd never saw so many wicker fans mm. in my life. Any sale. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't go. <laughs> you, oh. you hate w- wicker, Wendy? <laughs> no, I love it. I would have oh. come home with at least one. I, I can't stand I, it. I know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready to put my hand up. And I thought, Charlie, you already have six of <laughs> wicker pieces at home. You don't need another one. But they're so <laughs> cute. But and it was just like, oh, but it's a goodbye. You know why I think the wicker ones have such appeal too is because they're all so different. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you see some of the other carriages, and you know, you've seen one, you've seen a hundred of them, and, but the mm-hmm. wicker ones are all unique. They're kind of different. Every I, I and I have, uh, like I said, I have six of them, and each one of them is completely different. And I think that's isn't that the appeal of them really? I mean, yes. yeah, yeah. They're kind of unique. I'm looking at the brochure, and I'm seeing the Rare Hose Real Cart, which was for a fire yeah, engine, gorgeous? I assume, right? Yeah. Yes. That yes. is so awesome. Oh, that's so Don't pretty. you think that would be super tippy to drive at high speed with those crazy I know. I, I, I kept thinking the same. And I already have the fire harness. <laughs> you, you need that, then. <laughs> I, just, I, I know. Well, at the last in, – and in, it's been interesting because for the last two years, all of a sudden – Horse-drawn fire equipment has just gone through the roof price-wise. 
Yeah. Well, I had a um, last at the fall sale. He had a ladder wagon, which was like 42 feet long. And uh, he, he couldn't even get it in his semi. It was so long. So actually, no, it was longer than it. And he had to put it on a flatbed uh, drag to bring it up there. And uh, and all I kept thinking is this. Can you just imagine them driving through the streets of New York with that big thing? No. I mean, because the whole back end just has to just fan like crazy. <laughs> and all the horses that I've seen on those old videos that pull mm-hmm. the fire wagons, you put the harness yeah. on and they take off like a rocket. Yeah. yeah. And there's no stopping <laughs> the, them. Yeah. The, the world record for harnessing uh, uh, fire horses was set in Kansas City, and they did it in 13 seconds. Wow. The bell went well, off, the horses came out, they stood in the place, they dropped the harness down, and they were out the door. Oh, my God. Now, there was, Wendy and I have searched for some strange reason, have this fascination with gypsy wagons. I saw they did have a gypsy wagon. Do you remember what that went for? It didn't sell. Uh, didn't uh. hit the reserve? And it was ironic because there just was no bidders for it, and that's weird oh, because wow. for the last couple of years, uh, since the, the gypsy vanner craze has been on, They've been bringing, uh, you know, twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars. And you know, with the with the advent and the popularity of little houses now, that's what a gypsy wagon yes. basically is. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah, you would have thought. Yeah, but carriage collectors aren't don't don't live in little houses. So where's that? Well, and, and, and I think I think the day of of the big carriage collector is long gone. It's so yeah. it's people and I don't mean that as a derogatory mark. You know, yeah. it takes a lot of space, it takes a lot of money, and it takes a lot of upkeep. Yeah. How about there were several again, like there always is hearses. Are have the price of those stayed the same? Or I know that Wendy and I have talked to a number of commercial drivers who are doing uh, hearse. You know, well, they're doing yes. The, yeah. the prices of them are up. Yeah, uh, they've been doing very well. That's because um, they're all going back to doing their hearse wedding, the uh, horse-drawn well, funerals. They're now. doing yeah. uh, horse-drawn funerals. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's how I met you, Charlie. You were at Martin selling a hearse. Yeah. And but I, you were going to say he was your... in a hearse. I was going to say, no, no, no he's not yet. I, the, be, the best story I can tell <laughs> about the hearse. He had a little tiny coffin. <laughs> well, I, had, I did, and I had, uh, I had bought that hearse, and I kept it for a couple of years. And then after my father died, we had a 90th birthday party for my mother. So I had all of my family, my brothers, my sisters, nieces, nephews, everybody here for her 90th birthday. And I said, everybody needs to be out in the front yard because I'm going to bring her at exactly 2.15. Oh, no. And I pulled in with the hearse and my mother <laughs> laying in the back of it. Oh, oh my God. God. Are you Waiting kidding? You're a sick puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was man. waving from the back of the hearse? She loved it. So now you know where I get it from. <laughs> yes. Oh. yes. It was her that's, idea. That's, that's sick. So funny. <laughs> she said, well, you know, so she funny. said she always wants to go to her own funeral, so I took her. <laughs> <laughs> Were there? I'm, I'm a big. If I had a lot of money, when I win the lottery, I already warned Jennifer. I'm going to collect commercial vehicles. I just love commercial vehicles. So I don't blame you. I do too. I just think they're the neatest. You know the 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 uh, the calves and the you know phaetons and all that. They're they're okay, mm-hmm. but I just love commercial vehicles. Was there anything other than the the cart, the real cart? Um, no. And there was one that was a tobacco wagon that was supposed to be there, and I don't know what the story was, but it, it was a no show. Okay. But uh, just, you know, they run hot and cold. You'll have a, one sale, there'll be a half a dozen of them. The next sale, there's none. Yeah, interesting. And how about accessories? Was there anything that you'd never saw before? Yes. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, there was some absolutely beautiful uh, clocks, uh, dash clocks, and and this was a fabulous sale for good lamps. Somebody had consigned, I think, 22 pair of absolutely stunning lamps. Oh, my God. So I had to come home with some. For the non-drivers, give them an idea of what a good pair of lamps will go for. Easily a couple thousand. That's lamps, people. I know. Yeah. And they're not even electric. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually saw a carriage sell, and then they sold the lamps off it, and the lamps brought $400 more than the carriage did. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to ditch the carriage and keep the lamps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. So what did you buy? How much uh, How much did you get taken for? Uh, I bought a uh, another gig, and I got, uh, let's see, five, five pairs of lamps, uh, a couple of dash clocks, more harness. I know, don't say it. Uh, well, but I was just going to ask. Did you, I bought okay. this yeah. <laughs> what did you buy? You know, on Saturday in the field sale, what was the thing that you bought for the least amount of money on Saturday? Like, what did you buy for a dollar out there? Well, I didn't buy anything for a dollar, but for $10, I did buy four absolutely beautiful, and I don't think they'd ever been used, russet traces for a forehand. Oh, really? For $10? Yes. For ten bucks, awesome. and everybody <laughs> says, "Oh, I would have bought them except they're brown." Oh, perfect! <laughs> and I turned around, and I looked at the woman, and I said, oh, "Maybe they didn't have time to uh, dye them before they brought them." <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was my real bargain. <laughs> that is a good bargain. Uh, now I have the most important question: Is how did you get back in the house without being in huge trouble again? Oh, it was very simple. Yeah, I came home during the during the night. Oh, and that you unpacked everything and just put it where it belonged, and then she never knew. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I can lay it on the floor anymore, and she just walks by. And then she'll say, we need to inventory everything because it's time to start getting rid of stuff. Okay, we'll do that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you must watch American Pickers, Charlie. You are a Pickers nightmare. They would show up there and go, I'd buy this from you for a good price. And you go, no, I'm attached to that. No, uh, how about this? No, I'm attached to that. It's terrible. (laughs) You get attached to these toys. But they're great toys. And I love your tack room. The way you have it set up is so, it's really incredible. We're going to start a new uh, 12-step program, uh, Gloria and I, and... um, we're going to just handpick the people we want, the, those who are really, really nuts over carriages. And we're going to start with a small 12-step group, and hopefully we'll buy and sell between each other. <laughs> that's not a compliment. That how it works? That's not what a 12-step group is for. Just, I think oh, you have the idea all idea. wrong. <laughs> then you never have to let go of your carriage. It's just visiting that's your true. friends. I don't think that's the idea. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to send you the list of the 12 steps again. I don't think that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I better read that one again. <laughs> but it sounded like a great idea. I wish that we could physically pick all of our listeners up and bring them to your place and have you oh, spend you can. A, Yeah, it would just be the neatest day they would ever have. Really oh, we would. Have fun. Yeah. Well, Charlie, thanks again. We really appreciate well, it when you, you stop so by. Thank you all so much. And uh, thanks for giving us the Martin's Auction Report. All right, and hopefully I'll see you in Kentucky. Well, Glenn, you know, the ADS has a long history. It was founded in 1974, and it was founded by people who love the sport of carriage driving. And they wanted a standard set of rules for, at the time, there were no CDEs yet, so it was for pleasure driving shows. Um, And so they got together 
and they organized the American Driving Society. All right. Uh, we're we're sponsored today by Stateline Tech. Head on over to statelinetech.com. I, I'm sure I'll see them, actually, in a couple of weeks when we go to WISA, the trade show. Uh, but right now, they're highlighting their fly sheets right there on the homepage. You can't miss it. A huge banner. They have, like, three pages of fly sheets. There is a wide variety of fly sheets available now, all different colors, all different sizes, from minis on up to draft horses, and all different price points as well, from $40 all the way up to hundreds of dollars for the horseware. Check them out today over at statelinetech.com. All right, so I'm super excited. We get to talk to one of my favorite foreign-hand drivers, Coasteron from the Netherlands, just off his big win at the Dutch National Championships. Welcome, Coast. Hello. And congratulations well, on your win. Yeah, thanks. That was, uh, that was great. You know, um, I think in America, we don't understand, like, our national championships, we have so few foreign-hand drivers, you know, uh, that Americans don't get to see that many foreign-hand drivers unless we go to Europe. And our national championship, while it's important and it's difficult, um, it's nothing like the Dutch national championships because you guys are all super good. So how, how many competitors were in your national championships this year? In the national championship, we're 12 uh, competitors, but Eisbrand, uh, Theo, and I are for years the Dutch team, and right. we, went, we won for the last 10 years in a row every Nations Cup wherever in the world. And like, for example, the last world championship in Breda, there were 60 teams, and we were all three in the top five. So the competition is very strong in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. And Bram was way up there with you guys to, on that championships too, right? Yeah, Bram last year had a little bit uh, bad luck at a few shows, but he uh, got a few good horses this winter. He trained very hard, and and uh, he did a fantastic uh, show, and I think he surprised a lot of people. Yeah, and so what's your course like out there? Um, I mean, I know you've been to Live Oak many times. How does that compare to our American shows? Uh, Live Oak is a beautiful show, and that would fit in. Uh, it's similar like every European show. For sure, here in, in winter, uh, we drive the Windsor uh, Park near the castle. Yeah, that is something uh, something special. So, and, uh, so you're at Windsor Horse Show right now at the Windsor Castle. That's where you're calling from, right? Yes, yes. I'm at the Royal Windsor Horse Show, yes. And so you're so tell us where the marathon course goes. Like explain to people who've never been to Windsor what that's like. Okay, so the Windsor Castle is a castle where uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip live. Mm -hmm. um, in their garden, they have two uh, two big gardens. This is the private garden. This is closed the whole year. It's just for them private. But in the park here, they have eight hazards, a dressage arena, and our marathon sections also go all the way through the park. So it's pretty special, you know, to drive yeah. in the Queen's Back Garden. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. It is incredible. And also, when you drive well, they do the prize giving. So if you're lucky, then uh, you get to shake their hands. You know, um, it must be an incredible course because Prince Philip started combined driving. So... You have to think, if money's no object and you're, like, totally into combined driving, what kind of what kind of facilities you'd build? That must be, like, what you're driving at, huh? Exactly. And you know what is funny? Uh, like, you have all international course designers here, and mm -hmm. Prince Philip is 95. Yeah. But the course designer told me 
He is so involved when he builds something. Uh, Prince Philip wants to come and look and and comes with his own ideas. Like he said, oh, I want you to put that over there. That's nicer <laughs> for the horses. And, <laughs> which is great, you know, that they're still so uh, dedicated. Well, you know, if that you're the great. prince and you're also the one that invented the sport, you can pretty much tell them to put it anywhere they want. You know, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, we see on Facebook all your pictures from the, um, you know, walking down the long walk towards the castle. Now, uh, is that part of the marathon course, or is that just where you would drive to get from barn to the garden? No, they uh, made an exercise route, and that, so, like, we came here uh, Tuesday, tomorrow we have to dress up, so, like, today, uh, you can do the exercise route with your horses, and uh, that's a different route than the marathon course, and that oh, goes over the long walk, that goes over the long walk, so, we've been making pictures again with the castle on the background, and I know, nice. thanks. Thanks to Facebook, I am seeing all these pictures of everybody with a castle in the background. How fantastic. Um, yeah. So, okay, so everybody knows you're like one of these, the top drivers in the world. But I think one of the things that people don't know is that you have a really thriving family business at home. So when you're not competing, you run a big livery stable with, uh, you do jumping and you do uh, four-in-hand or, or carriage driving training. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we have, uh, like you said, we have a big facility. And uh, we also do, uh, we organize shows as well, ridden dress as uh, show jumping uh, and driving. We do the indoor marathons and the dress and cones. And like you said, we have uh, yeah, many customers coming uh, for lessons or training and also, over the years, many Americans came to my place uh, when they came over for a world championship or, or some other shows and, and stayed at my place. So, um, yeah, like you said, the, the sport is hard. To, uh, for sure, we have some prize money, but it's hard to make a living of it. So right. you need to do something else. And so your um, farm, you have lots of stabling. You have um, a giant indoor arena, right? How big's your indoor? Yeah, we have two. We built a new one just recently. Um the big one is 30 by 60 meters, and we have a smaller one. So, because a lot of, we have, like I said, also the riding people didn't really like to drive, to ride where the carriages were uh, Oh, yeah, were that's training. true. Yeah. But, but also, it's very, like now for shows, we use the one for warming up and the other one for the competition. You know, also, I remember when we were at your place, um, in, in Europe, uh, it, most farms are actually quite small, they don't have a lot of land, but your farm has giant fields and, and lots of places to drive. How many acres do you guys have? Uh, our farm is uh, about 50 acres. And like you said, in America, that's small, but uh, where we live, it's pretty big. Right. And we have, we have like a dress field and a field with hazards and paddocks for turnout. And, and yeah, like you said, when people come to our barn, they can... You know, they have stables and they have the private field and we, yeah. we rent those out. And I also, I mean, you know that my, I enjoy driving down the road. So I love all those little roads you have for carriage driving all over your town. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and the people are, are used to it, you know. They're used to seeing the carriages. And uh, like when they when I come with a the they're coming, then they all stop and, you know, let me pass and I do it safe. And, um, yeah, that is uh, for sure fun. 
Yeah. And now you guys are so close to Amsterdam too. So that's great for Americans coming over competing for the season because they can fly into Amsterdam and then, and then you can go pick up their horses and bring them back to the farm. Amsterdam is the biggest airport for flying horses. And that is an hour from my farm and where I live, all the big international shows are pretty close. We have a big, uh, we have good location. So like Minden where the championship is this summer is like four hours. Big Burger is like two hours. Breda where it last year was, was an hour. So, it's convenient for many Americans to uh, yeah, to come to my farm because it's not a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. And you have that great van that you can ship people in. It has a, a comfortable for the horses, and then you have the camping for the people, right? Yeah, exactly. We uh, yeah, I have my van with the living and the trailer with the tent and everything. And yeah, you know, we had the disabled people going with us, and uh, yeah, I think everybody uh, had a good time. Yeah, so how can people find you? Through Facebook, you just said it. Now, <laughs> you know. True. I think we most people have my number. And we have your website, so we'll put that up on the site, up on our we'll site. But also Facebook is actually pretty good, because if you don't have somebody's number, you just go to Messenger and you find them. I know. It is great. And I love following you guys on Facebook. I hope you guys have a great uh, show, and hopefully you will... Get to get that trophy from the queen. This horse health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Glenn, we've been going over the old Chinese medicine segments to talk about the elements. I thought this would be a good time to talk about the five branches of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. And I just wrote an article uh, that kind of explains Chinese medicine in the Chinese way that we think about it, but in also the scientific way. Because one of the things that really bugs me is when people say, hey, does acupuncture really work? I keep thinking I should say, no, I just want to take your money. Of course it works. I wouldn't be doing it if it doesn't work, right? So um, I'm going to tell you about, uh, and you know, my background is molecular biology. So I don't always get into all the details of the scientific parts of Chinese medicine because my clients don't always want to hear it. But I know that our driving radio show listeners are interested in Chinese medicine. So I wanted to get a little bit more in depth than I have in the previous talks. So there's five branches of Chinese medicine. There's acupuncture, herbal therapy, Twina therapy, food therapy, and Qigong practice. So we'll start with acupuncture, which we all know that it uses needles or laser stimulation to the acupuncture points. And most of the points are in areas that are dense with nerves and vessels or in trigger points in the myofascia. So when we stimulate these points, it tells the cells there to release chemical messengers that flow through the body and tell cells and other parts of the body to react. So some examples of these actions are like um, when I needle a point, it can relieve it release endorphins and endorphins are like your body's morphine and that reduces pain. It decreases anxiety or um, some points release histamine 
Histamine is the chemical that if you get stung by a bee, it causes the red raised um, point on yourself, or it can also cause the constriction of your blood vessels. So you can see how that neurotransmitter will, or a chemical messenger, can cause global reactions throughout your body, right? So a bee sting, why does that make you uh, not be able to breathe? It's because it tells your body to 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 uh, close your your break your bronchioles and you can't breathe. Um, acupuncture is often described as energy medicine, and in many ways it is energy medicine. But sometimes that term is used and people think, oh, well, energy medicine, we can't explain it. But of course, we can explain energy medicine because the body is full of electrical processes, like your nerves. Your nerve has to depolarize to fire like a battery. So there's chemical gradients there that cause an electrical impulse. Um, also, uh, there's kinetic energy in your DNA. If you will even want to get down to the molecular part, your DNA winds and unwinds based on the kinetic energy that's built into those molecules. Like you have, have you ever um, tried to roll up a hose without a hose roller? Yes. Isn't that so frustrating? It is. A frustra- hoses are frustrating to begin with, but yes. Well, especially when one side of the hose is still stuck on the on the faucet, right? And you try to roll it up and then it just spirals and then it gets harder and harder and harder to roll. Well, that's kinetic energy because you've rolled it up and it wants to unroll. Um, so that's how acupuncture works. Okay. If anybody says, that makes sense. I, I don't believe acupuncture works, so they can say that, but I've just explained it. So the next one is herbal therapy. So we know that a lot of our um, pharmaceuticals are derived from plants and animals and then isolated and highly concentrated. So they have a specific action and they're stronger and they work faster. But herbal therapies are slower to work and gentler on the system because they're not as specific. But in many ways, herbal therapy can be more powerful because um, we haven't found all the different interactions of all these chemicals in whole foods or in plants or fungi or animal products. So, for example, like maybe there's a, um, a plant that people have found shows a, a, an efficacy against cancer. So what we do in modern medicine is we titrate down and find the molecule and look at it on the molecular basis. Well, that's all well and good, but maybe there are processes that we don't know about yet. And there's, there's molecules we don't know about yet that also help that plant fight cancer. But if we extract just this one chemical, then we're only using that one bit. So sometimes whole foods might work better or whole plants. Um, but we just don't have the knowledge to know that. For example, like before we knew about antibiotics, you know, people would use whole foods to treat people and they didn't know why it worked, but it worked. And now we have the science to prove that. Very good. So the next is Twina therapy. So Twina therapy, I like to joke with Dr. Kyle about this is, um, 
a lot of chiropractic care came from Twina techniques and was repackaged as chiropractic care. <laughs> because, you know, Chinese people invented everything. Everything, right. <laughs> 2,000 Tea, years ago. <laughs> noodles, everything. Spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti. Exactly. Because we all what know was... it wasn't the Italians. No, Marco Polo ate all these noodles when he was in China and he got back to Italy and he was like, oh my God, I can't stop thinking about all those delicious ramen noodles bowls I was eating in China. I had to make spaghetti. Um, (laughs) So anyways, with Twina therapy, um, we, it's, it's a lot of massage. It's a lot of uh, myofascial techniques, but it's also uh, some chiropractic adjustments. So, the chiropractors have actually done tweena therapy a great service because they've they've become more scientific about it and they work on every single vertebrae. So a chiropractic exam will go through your whole spine, whereas tweena it's kind of like a hands-on thing. And we just um kind of do the whole body. So the techniques I do in tweena um that are close to chiropractic many times are a twisting motion. Um, or like, I'll take a whole, I was showing somebody this the other day. They didn't want to do it because it's like super hard work. Um, a lot of times when you have a base of the neck issue, a great tweena move is to take the foot of your horse and, and extend it. Like you're going to stretch his foot and then you shake it. And when you shake it, that vibration and the pulling and the shaking tends to release a lot of the tension at the base of the neck. But I'll tell you what, it's like hard work. It makes your back hurt. You're going to need tweena therapy after you do those techniques. So that's, do you have any questions about tweena, Glenn? Nope. Got it. (laughs) You're just doing good here. You're on a roll. And uh, so food therapy is the next one. And food therapy is based on energetics of food. And we classify them by different tastes. So like a good rule of thumb is a crisp, refreshing food, such as cucumber, celery, or watermelon rind, are good for heat conditions. So for all my non-sweaters, I always encourage them to use those kind of cool foods as treats. Um, And warm foods are the ones that take energy to digest. So like oats or sweet potato or pumpkin can help your pony keep warm in the winter. And uh, an old horseman's trick over the winter is to always feed lots of hay overnight because hay is hard to digest, right? It takes a lot of energy and takes a long time. And as they digest uh, the hay in the cecum, they're generating a lot of heat in their body. So and you can ask, I'm sure Jennifer, after living in Pennsylvania, was always doing that. We always like to give them hay overnight and a warm bran mash so they can just digest and be their own little heaters in their stall. So the more processed a food is, the more heat it contains. So here in Florida, raw foods are better because we always deal with the heat. Um, So in lots of dog foods and even in horse foods, there are some extruded nuggets and those usually are, they, they do these extruded nuggets because if they process them that way, the fat say, stays stable for a longer period of time. But those can tend to be really hot. So if you have a horse that has like bad skin or is a non-sweater, it would be much better to stick with a whole food diet. Um, 
And actually, most horses that aren't really competing hard do much better on hay, which hay is a warming food because they have to digest it. But it's, it doesn't create as much heat as grains. Have any questions about food therapy? No, and I think we've talked a lot about that in the past. Yeah. Yeah. We've had Tigger on and things, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then Qigong is the last thing, and the Qigong actually really ties into what Randy was saying today in the training tip. Uh, Qigong is like a meditation practice. It's similar to Tai Chi. So people, you can say, okay, we're going to relax, we're going to breathe, we're going to do Tai Chi, blah, blah, blah. Um, Because we all know stress produces cortisol, and cortisol is an endogenous steroid. That means you make it in your body. It's a steroid you make. It increases your blood sugar, it suppresses your immune system, and it decreases your bone density. So, you know, those are all bad things to have in your life, right? You you don't want all those things out. We'll set you up for uh, sickness later on. But you think to yourself, God, how do I get my horse to do qigong? Um... You can't just go out there and tell him that he needs to relax. But what Randy was saying, that when you get nervous, it translates right down the reins to your pony getting nervous. And horses actually really pick up on our feelings a lot more than um, than I will say our other human partners do, right? Because, like, Jen can't, can tell you're mad, but she has to, you know, you have to be really mad for your human friends to pick up on that. But your pony or your dog can pick up on that right away. So one thing that uh, I always think about when I try to recommend Qigong therapy for animals is um, uh, they should maybe take one day a week where you just go out on a hack and don't do any training. Just go out and walk. You don't even have to do any conditioning. Maybe just walk on a loose rein and enjoy nature and just think about like nothing. Don't think about, I have to get back and book guests for the driving radio show. And I have to do this. And I I have to plan our trip to Disney. You have to just think about nothing or think about, um, like I was jogging this morning with my little dog, Tiki, and I love to listen to these like audio books. But then I thought, you know what? That's not fair to her because I really need to just think about her. So I turned off my audio book and I just like listened to her little feet going down the road. And that's what you really should do with your horses to just listen to their footfalls and think about how happy you are together. And your horse will pick up on that. Wait a minute. I'm still stuck on you went out jogging. I, I got stuck on that part. I love jogging, but oh, I don't jog in the summer because it's too hot. Yeah, it is too hot. It's hard to do anything in the summer. 